This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, Elon here. We've had a lot of episodes with intros like this recently, so I'll keep this one very quick. What you're about to listen to is our Schmore Goalies Board episode, our annual goalie tiering episode, which we actually recorded a couple of weeks ago as the last chapter of our NHL Audio Almanac that we've been talking about for a long time, but we're releasing this as a standalone episode as well, and I hope you're going to like it. It was a lot of fun. We, of course, talk a lot about the Almanac in this episode, so I won't tell you about that now, but I will remind you that the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League registration deadline is fast approaching. September 12th is the registration deadline, and anyone who is a patron of Keeping Carlson gets entry into the cupful, so if you want any more information on that, check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron. But with that, let's get to Schmore Goalies Board. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson skulle jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Everybody to chapter 32 of the Keep It Carlson 2019 20 NHL Audio Almanac Schmore Goliesborg. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and I'm introducing myself because we're not only making this the 32nd chapter of our audiobook, we are also releasing this as an episode of our podcast, which is co hosted with me by my great friend, the IPP MVP, the Corsi Authority, the Ad Drop Ace, the Fantasy Hockey Robot himself, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. I am shaving my almanac beard off after this episode. This is the final chapter, chapter 32 of our almanac, or just a regular weekly episode. If you didn't listen to our almanac, where we ranked each goalie at the end of each chapter, one at a time, into a list that uh, we're going to review now and see how well we did. Instead of going like one by one individual rankings, we're going to tier because that's what we do every Schmorgoli's board. Happy Schmorgoli's board, Elon. Happy Schmorgoli's board, Brian. I, for a long time, thought it was Schmorgoli's Borg, but I did learn, uh, I think a year or two ago, that it was Schmorgoli's board. So important to know that. Uh, Brian, More yeah. like Schmorgoli's excited. Okay, very good. Okay, so yeah, why do we tier goalies? Let's get into that. By the way, everyone, this is like going to be a, a challenge. You're coming on an adventure for us because Brian are coming off six straight days of recording with no breaks now going into this episode, which we're trying to make both a concluding chapter and also a regular episode. So bear with us. We're just going to try to have some fun. We're going to get loose. A lot, you know, all the chapters of the Almanac, they were serious. We had intense stuff going on here. We're going to have some fun. But I want to explain first, Brian, why we do tier goalies right what's the point of goalie tiers i see you have your hand up so why don't you why don't you go and answer it 
Well, first I want to say we're going to get loose like the salads. And then I thought you might want to mention that we are presented by Dauber Hockey. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. What a great website to be presented by. You're probably prepping for your fantasy drafts as we speak. They're updating their content all of the time. You want to be checking out DauberHockey.com. Plus, they've got a guide that you can buy. It's super cheap. We're talking like 10, 15 bucks. And they go give projections for every single player, big, long write-ups, interesting lists of like, you know, prospects and and rookies and bounce back candidates, all that good stuff. Plus it updates all the way through to puck drops. You can keep going and downloading the updates every day. It's awesome. Check it out. DauberHockey.com. It's all there. Brian, anything else before we get into the goalies? No. So why do we tier goalies, Elon? Yeah. So the way I see it is I'm going into a draft. Let's talk about like a snake draft. You know, I don't necessarily care which goalies I'm going to get specifically because Think about it. Like, who knows, right? With these goalies, I don't know. All I know is, let's say I want to have a starter who on a good team, or I'm willing to take a risk on a backup or whatever, and it's coming up to my pick. And let's say there's like five goalies that I think are all pretty similar. And then after that, my next pick's going to be in like six picks. I pro- And I only want one of those goalies. Why should I waste my pick now to grab one of those goalies when I know for sure one of them will still be available next time around? But on the other hand, if I'm coming up to my pick, I haven't picked my goalie yet, and I'm looking and I see one goalie left in his tier, and then a huge drop to a whole other tier for the next group of goalies, that tells me I want to take that goalie. So I think it just helps you with your drafts. It also just helps us to think about these guys, kind of clump them together, because we came up with a list during each chapter of the Almanac. But like, really, what does that even mean, right? Like this goalie is better than this goalie is better than this goalie. There's no way you know it's so hard to predict it's a lot easier when we we can think about them in these clumps and we'll give a label to these clumps and we'll try to make some sense of the nonsense which is goalie performance in the nhl which is so variable year in year out clumps like the best tracy jordan movies you've ever seen uh, is this going to be you the whole time what was the salads thing you said before i didn't even know what that was it was a van maybe like 15 years ago called the salads that had a song called get loose and that was around the same time there was another one hit wonder band out there called the caesars i'm surprised they never collaborated Wow. Okay, this is going to be a long show, I think. So let's get into it. Basically, we've got our list that we came up with in the Almanac through each chapter. If you didn't purchase the Almanac or listen to it, here is your opportunity to press pause here. Go listen to the whole Almanac. You'll get the background for how we got to this point. Plus, we did a lot of work on this thing, and I think you're going to like it. We projected every single player on every single team that we think is going to be fantasy relevant. It's a 31 chapter odyssey. Plus this, we're talking probably like 30 plus hours when it's all said and done. And I think you're going to like it. So keeping Carlson.com slash Almanac, but here we are, we've got our list and let's go with the top tier. Brian, how would you classify our top tier of goalies? I would classify our top tier as goalies as guys who are on Top teams in the league, we're talking cup contenders, uh, can be counted on for good save percentages and will have a massive workload. Right. So it sounds to me like you're describing something beautiful. I could draft this goalie, get a ton of games. Each game's going to be good in terms of save percentage, going to give me a high chance at a win. There can't be that many of these guys out there, right? Uh, No, there are not that many guys out there. In past years, we've tried to stuff... I don't know what the biggest this tier was ever uh, sized at, but I feel like we at one point had stuffed maybe five goalies in there and then four and then three. This year, we've got two goalies all alone in there. I'm going to take you, give everyone a minute to just guess. It's so easy, right? We're talking about Andre Vasilevsky and Frederick Anderson. Yeah, 
Makes sense. Like the thing with Vasilevsky, we talked about in the Tampa chapter. I don't even know how like good he even is. Like he kind of struggled at the end of last season and we saw how Louis Demang won almost all of his games on the same team. But the fact is Vasilevsky just signed this big contract. Tampa's going to play him so much and he's going to have a good save percentage because they protect their goalies so well. I remember everything you said, Brian, in the Tampa chapter. So how can you not love Andre Vasilevsky for fantasy purposes and the Frederick Anderson uh, like who's more reliable year in year out 917 918 save percentage also plays a lot Toronto for some reason refuses to get a good backup next year they're going in with Michael Hutchinson and then they have McCall Neuverth coming in on a tryout so maybe he could make the team and play a couple games before he gets injured so yeah Leafs are going to definitely have to rely on Anderson to play a lot so yeah both of these guys I'd love to have on my teams yeah Anderson I think is the better goalie than Vasilevsky but Tampa has historically protected Vasilevsky better than Toronto Toronto has protected Anderson, both these guys. So I'm going to make reference to this giant list I have several times this episode. So listen up. Uh, there are 67 goalies who have played at least 1,500 even strength minutes over the last three seasons. So going back to 16, 17, and that's a list I'm using to rank goalies uh, by save percentage. Uh, both Vasilevsky and Freddie Anderson are in the top 15. They're on a top team and they are going to be asked to be workhorses. Like when we say workhorse, we're looking at the possibility of 60 starts or more. And really a lot of the guys above them in the top 15 backups. This is a big list, right? You've got Bennington in it, who's only played 32 games. Jack Campbell's in it. He's ahead of them too. So is Laurent Brassois. But you take it and you limit it only to starters. And they're definitely top 10 goalies, probably top five if I took the time to get rid of everybody who didn't have a consistent starting role the last three years. Okay, so you use your list to come up with it. I'm going to look at this big list that we have here. Another word you said that I think you might need to explain. What do you mean by protected? Like Andre Fasilevsky is protected. How are you measuring that? Okay, so there's a number called expected save percentage. You can find it most easily over at Corsica.hockey. Uh, and if you head there to their goalie stats, um, you'll see XSV and then percent sign. And what that does is it represents the save percentage that an average goalie would be expected to post in that workload. So if, uh, you know, Jordan Biddington had an, uh, an expected save percentage of 920, that speaks to the quality and difficulty of the shots he was facing at even strength. And an average goalie in the NHL would have put up a 920. Bennington put up a 941, just so you know. But that's exactly what expected save percentage is. So essentially, if you perform at your expected save percentage, you're an average NHL goalie. And then if you perform above or below it, you are above or below average. Right. And of course, we don't know for sure. Like these are just rough measures that we're trying to get out. We don't know exactly like how high quality the shot was, but these are taking a lot of factors into account, like where the shot was taken from, uh, what type of situation, uh, like in terms of power player, shorthand, it's all that they, they churn it through a big machine and out pops this number expected save percentage. And we're trying to use that to measure. Yeah, exactly. Like you say, how an average goalie would have done compared to how the actual goalie did. So you're saying that Andre Vasilevsky wasn't necessarily an above average goalie in terms of like, you're saying most goalies would have had a similar save percentage as him. But as far as our purposes go, he's on the same team next year. Tampa's going to be just as good. So no reason for him not to repeat. Yeah. I think tier one's pretty easy. So I'm ready to go to tier two if you are. 
I am ready to go to tier two. There's not a, a whole lot to say about it, except like if you want the skinny on Vasilevsky, it's it's he has been someone who has struggled to outperform his expected save percentage. It's pretty high because Tampa protects him so well, and he sort of just hovered around the look of an average NHL goalie. Uh, but there's there's one benchmark for you to know, Andre Vasilevsky about average in the workload he's gotten but the workload he's gotten is real nice for a goalie especially behind a team that gives you so many wins yeah i wish that we could run simulations and see different goalies on different teams like i'd love to know who would have had the best save percentage on tampa if they were in you know vasilevsky's place but unfortunately we'll have to save that until the matrix is invented or something and maybe if, hopefully we're in a matrix now so that we will be able to run this at some point okay so now we get to another tier of goalies and i guess as we go through i'll let you know if maybe some of them are people that people might be wondering why isn't this guy in a higher tier so we can discuss but why don't you tell us first of all how are you classifying your next tier and who's in it my next tier is classified as goalies who are still on good teams who are can still be relied upon to be good goalies and who have good workloads but none of them have that like over the top quality that that Vasilevsky and Anderson have like there's just just a small step behind and it's mostly in the workload these are guys who we might not see play as many games as Vasilevsky and Anderson or we might not see them get the same amount of protection or wins okay and so who do you got in this heralded category sounds like still really valuable goalies to have in fantasy yeah these guys are pretty good like I'm probably not reaching for these two tier one goalies I would have to reach pretty far in my draft and I don't think the difference between tier one and tier two really justifies going out of my way to reach for Vasilevsky and Anderson, when in Tier 2, I could have Marc-Andre Fleury, Carey Price, John Gibson, or Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah, okay. Interesting list. The thing is, okay, let's say right off the bat, like, goalies are so hard to predict. I think I might have already said this. I just want to say it again to emphasize, every year there are goalies that surprise us. No one expected Robin Leonard to do what he did. And also, like, on the other side, you have goalies that you think are going to be super reliable. Like, take, like, a Braden Holpe, who was putting up good numbers year in, year out. In the last couple of seasons, he's really struggled. So who knows? But, like, these four guys that you mentioned, if I could just give a quick spiel about each of them. Like, you got Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas, who wasn't as good last year as the year before, but still, Vegas is a great team like I don't think Malcolm Subban poses any threats you're going to expect lots of games and Fleury is obviously a very consistent good goalie Carey Price a spoiler for the Montreal chapter so again this is your last chance to uh, go listen to the Almanac before you get some spoilers from our conversations there yeah I was saying I think Carey Price is like a good candidate for the Vesna next year like he's not really on people's radars but he had a really strong end to last season like if you look at his overall number 918 save percentage that was really like struggled at first and then really picked it up at the end and I would love for him to keep that going to next year you got john gibson kind of similar to carrie price but i guess the reverse uh like gibson started really strong but then at some point he just collapsed under how bad anaheim was but it seems like john gibson might be one of the best goalies in the league and we did come up with some reasons why anaheim could be a little better next year and then you ended with sergey bobrovsky what is there to say he's been one of the top goalies in the league over the past few seasons he goes to florida which doesn't make his life any better but probably doesn't make his life any worse either again he's going to get a ton of starts so yeah four reliable goalies i think the more interesting conversation will be when we get to the next tier and we discuss like why the guys in the next tier you know aren't in this tier because yeah like i like all these four guys i don't really know what to ask you about them so what do you have to say about them Really not a whole lot. Like Gibson is sort of the the sore thumb. Like he's the guy who sticks out like a sore thumb in the second tier um, because he's on Anaheim and we're talking about goalies on Vegas, cup contender, Montreal playoff team, Florida, 
a bubble team, although you would probably get pretty mad at me for saying that. Uh, Anaheim, no? no? Okay, no. great. I think they'll be a contender. What was okay. our bet? Our, our bet was like Montreal versus Florida, right? And I took Florida and you took Montreal. I see them as pretty similar. Right, and here I am calling Montreal a playoff team and Florida a bubble team. <laughs> well, neither of them made the playoffs last year, so we'll see. Okay. Uh, anyway, Anaheim, not a bubble team, right? Playoffs are probably more in their wildest dreams than anywhere based in reality. But John Gibson is just such a good and reliable goalie. He has the ninth best even strength save percentage over the last three years. Again, you control for starters only, and he's probably third. Uh, you're looking at Pekka Rene and Sergei Bobrovsky as the only other guys in his strata. So that's why Bobrovsky is also in tier two, because Bobrovsky, unlike Rene, and I guess I'm spoiling tier three a little bit, but unlike Rene, there's no one playing behind Bobrovsky that the Panthers want to transition to, right? So I have a little more faith in Bobrovsky's workload staying the same or even going up. He played 62 games last year to Rene's 56. This is the difference between tier two and tier three, essentially. And John Gibson is just an elite save percentage getter so if you get him an elite volume also he'll make a ton of saves because of his massive workload so if you have john gibson hey you might not get so many wins but you're going to clean up in all the other categories and also i think that anaheim might get a few more wins they have some young up-and-coming prospects sam Steele, troy terry max comtois to go along with like ricard raquel who we expect to bounce back go to the anaheim chapter you'll see what i'm talking about and yeah also another difference between bobrovsky and rene i feel like we talk about them in the same breath bobrovsky's 31 rene is like 37 like they're completely different ages so i yeah bobrovsky's probably less likely to have age-related regression in only an age 21 season so i feel pretty good about him but i guess the reason we're not putting him in the top tier is first of all florida's not like as great a team as Tampa or Toronto. And also Bobrovsky has shown some struggles over the past couple of years. We have a question in the chat before we get to tier three, Elon, that I think is worth uh, mentioning live on the show. So Jesse says, correct me if I'm wrong, a goalie who might bounce back is a goalie who had a lower actual save percentage than they're expected, or does that highlight a bad goalie? So my answer is that probably highlights a bad goalie. Of course, you want to look over the past few years, see if this is a pattern that their actual save percentage is lower than they're expected. But I want to be really clear. This is when you're looking at a goalie who's playing at five on five, right? If they play below their expected save percentage at five on five, they're in trouble, right? It's not a great sign. However, if you have a goalie who's playing beneath their save percentage on the penalty kill, beneath their expected save percentage on the penalty kill, that's a smaller sample. It's a little more random, right? Goalies don't play a ton of time on the penalty kill. The most time played on the penalty kill last season was Carey Price, up near 330 minutes, and that's pretty high. Um, so if a goalie overperforms or underperforms their expected number on the penalty kill, I don't put a ton of stock into that unless a goalie has shown a pattern of doing this year after year after year after year because uh, weird things can happen in 200 or 300 minutes of goaltending as we see all the time through the season, right? Like Brian Boucher gets five shutouts in a row. That's a really dated example by now. But we've seen goalies go on hot streaks for six or seven games at a time. That's the same sort of sample you're looking at when you're trying to figure out what a goalie was able to accomplish shorthanded. 
Okay, very interesting. And so as far as like a bounce back candidate, if they did badly, like, you know, there's so much that goes into it, right? You have to assume if you're going to call a goalie a bounce back candidate, you have to have a reason to expect either them to play better or the team to just be even better. Because yeah, it, it could definitely go either way. And so as we get to specific examples, we'll let you know if we think the goalie is a bounce back candidate or not. So far, all of these goalies we've mentioned, for the most part, had good seasons. I guess John Gibson did have that implosion at one point. He still ended with a 917 save percentage, which is pretty crazy considering there was that stretch where he was letting in four and five goals a game for like a couple of or maybe like a month I don't know three four weeks like it was really rough I was a John Gibson owner last year in one of my leagues and it was painful but there were other times where he was giving me just like so many great starts but okay now we get to the next tier Brian I almost like don't want you to feed it to me all at once I want to take it in one at a time if that's okay so why don't you okay give us the first of all what is this next year how are you going to classify it what makes it different from the tier above now that we're in tier three and then maybe start throwing me some names and I'll let you know if like I'm surprised or not (laughs) if that's fun at all All right, so the difference between Tier 2 and Tier 3 is that Tier 2, we know what we're getting. We At least we think we do. You never know what you're getting with goalies. But as far as we can figure, we know what we're getting with our Tier 2 goalies. Tier 3, each of these guys has one just like little question mark next to his name that just nags in the back of your mind as you're about to draft him. You know, you click the button. It asks you to confirm that he's your choice. And you're like, ah, maybe not. So that's what characterizes this next group of goalies. Are you ready for it? Yeah, throw me some names. How many? One at a time. Okay, here we go. Ben Bishop. Yeah, so he's someone that I'm sure a lot of people might be thinking, whoa, what are you guys, how is he tier three? Ben Bishop was just nominated for the Vesna Trophy. He had a 934 save percentage last year. And Dallas is looking even better going into next season. They just got Joe Pavelski. Come on, this is going to be a team they already like made it to the second round of the playoffs last year. This is a good team. He seems like a great goalie. What's the concern? Of course, I'm just asking the question for fun. I know the concern, Brian. Why don't you go and say it? It's the concern that I've been yelling forever. And finally, I think you've come to agree with me about. Yeah, it's the concern you shouted from the rooftops on last year's Almanac. And this year, I was like, you know what? Reasonable concern, except on last year's Almanac, you were, oh, and it's injuries. <laughs> just to clarify before I get too far off on a tangent. Uh, And to clarify, Elon, last year you were saying that Ben Bishop wasn't worth taking that injury risk on for, right? That like he just was an average-ish goalie, nothing special. Why go out and get an average goalie who has a pretty good chance of getting injured? Have you changed your tune now that you've seen another fantastic Vesna caliber season from Ben Bishop? I mean, it's hard to ignore such an amazing season. I still feel like goalies are pretty random, and I'm not going to just forget that he had that season. I'm sure a lot of people have forgotten already that season when he got traded from Tampa to LA. That was a terrible year, right? He ended with a 9-10 save percentage. The following year in Dallas, he was fine. Like, he was a 9-16 save percentage in 53 games. And then last year, he was amazing. But I don't think I'm like, oh, okay, now that's it. He's going to be 9-34 again and again and again. Like, I think he's good. I think Dallas also is a lot better than I used to think they were. So... I'm like comfortable with Bishop. I'd love to have him on my team on games that he plays. But yeah, I am a little nervous about him for the injuries. But yeah, no, definitely, Brian, I'm giving some reasons not to. But yeah, I've changed my tune. I do like Ben Bishop a lot more now. Yeah, don't and that LA Tampa season is the anomaly in Bishop's numbers. Every other season as a starter, he's been between 916 and 924. So yeah, he had one bad season that wasn't even like god awful. It was unfortunate, but not so bad, like not 905 or sub 900. And then he had this really outstanding season. So yeah, I don't think he'll ever go that low. I don't think he'll ever get 
he might not get as high as 934 again, but Ben Bishop has been one of the best starting goalies in the league over the last three years. He ranks fifth among starters in five-on-five save percentage. Yeah, I think he belongs right here, right at the top of (laughs) Tier 3. Another concern, not a concern because it's good for Dallas, right? But like Anton Hudobin is a really good backup goalie, maybe one of the best in the league, at least based on last season's numbers. So Dallas doesn't have a reason to play Bishop a lot, which again is great for Dallas and their chances of going to the Cup. Probably great for Bishop's save percentage because he won't get worn down. But also in fantasy, you want a goalie who's going to be playing, giving you those saves and those wins and everything that you're going for. So that's another reason why I wouldn't want him any higher because I think he has a smaller chance of getting a lot of games compared to some of these guys we've been discussing probably a lot of the guys we're going to also discuss in this tier you'll also notice about every player every goalie in this tier safe for one of them is on a team that I think is a lock to make the playoffs touch wood like I just definitely jinxed one of these guys I hope it's not your favorite so next up in tier three on goalies who are on playoff teams have a big workload ahead but also a small question mark next to their names when you draft them, Philip Grubauer in Colorado. So is this in, in order or is this just like you're just saying goalies in tier three and it could be in any order? Hey man, this is a tier. There is no order. Right. Okay. Because when you go and listen to our almanac and look at our spreadsheet that we made where we were actually listing goalies in order, like we did have an order, but here we're just putting it in a tier just because I think there's going to be a couple goalies later on that I'd probably still prefer over Grubauer in this tier. But yeah, how could you not love Grubauer? Like last season, he well, there's a lot, actually reasons to not love him. Like he stunk at the beginning of the season. Varlamov was getting most of the games. Then like the right at the end, that final month and a half, Grubauer just like turned into a, a different person he went into god mode like he had i think a 950 save percentage for those last couple of months and he like willed colorado into the playoffs he was also amazing in the playoffs now next year varlamov is gone he's going to be the starter and if he could keep up even like part of what he was doing at the end of last season you've got yourself like a workhorse goalie like like varlamov was never playing it was always grubauer even on back-to-backs he was playing sometimes that's how much they loved him and maybe also were concerned about varlamov which uh you know Maybe something the Islanders might have wanted to pay attention to. But yeah, like Grubauer could be so, so great if he could keep that up. The biggest concern about him, I'd imagine, is he's never had a full season as a starter ever. So next year is going to be his first try. We hope he can handle it, but there's no guarantees. Yeah, that's the question mark for Grubauer. It took a long time for Colorado to give him the reins. He had barely played back-to-back games all the way up until March 17th, which is when it was finally, okay, Philip. Nets yours, and he was fantastic from that point on. He played a career-high 37 games. He started a career-high 33. So yeah, that's the question mark next to Grubauer's name. Can he hold up over a full season? I think yes. I think he's a really good goalie. His numbers bear that out. Over the last three years, in my big list of goalies, including backups, Grubauer ranks third in five-on-five save percentage in Colorado. Oh, Colorado, what a team they're building. Yeah, man, now we got Kale McCarr coming. Okay, we you go to the Colorado chapter, you'll hear us drooling about Colorado for a little bit. I also love how they got Nazem Kadri. What a great offseason for Colorado. Okay, so who else is in this tier? Maybe throw a couple at me, actually. Let's speed this up a little bit. <laughs> Good idea. I'm going to throw three at you. There are six goalies left in this tier. That was originally two different tiers, but I squished them together because I didn't see too much of a difference between them. Okay, so we have Bishop and Grubauer so far. Next three, Holtby, Murray, and Pecorine. 
So that's interesting. First of all, you kind of went off of our script or off of our list that we made, right? Because actually, Braden Holtby was higher in our list than Gibson Bobrovsky. So I guess you decided to bring him down a tier after looking at some more numbers. Like, how did Holtby fall from being higher than Gibson when we discussed him in the Washington chapter? And now we have him in tier three, a totally different tier than Gibson and Bobrovsky. I mean, you talked a lot in the Almanac about how uh, he had a really rough season, and I fought that a lot. So I don't know, maybe you got to me, but I was looking at, at my list of last three years, uh, five on five save percentage. Amongst starters, Holby ranks 14th out of a list that's about 37 goalies long. So like, that's okay. It's not highest end. Um and like, I'm not knocking him down a whole lot. I'm just saying I'd rather have Flurry Price, Gibson, and Bobrovsky ahead of him because there is just a question mark about where he's headed in his career. You know the Capitals. Not that they're like desperate to throw Phoenix Copley in net, but uh, maybe they're looking for a reason to see what they've got. And now Holtby has had two seasons in which he's performed just under or barely at average league save percentage. The reason I really liked Holtby in our almanac is that Washington didn't give him a lot to work with, especially with the coaching change. He was one of the worst protected goalies in the league. And so like, you can't really blame him for the lower save percentage last year because Washington had expected goals against rates that ranked 29th in the NHL above only Ottawa and Chicago and tied with Anaheim and behind Detroit and New York. So like, this is a, that's a bad group to be amongst and Holtby performed really admirably in those minutes. So I guess putting him in tier three and not tier two reflects some concern that the Capitals won't have figured that out by this season. They won't be giving him uh, the high-end protection that I would want him to get to know that he can work his way back up towards 920. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, my gut also says Holpe should be in a higher tier just because we've had him in tier ones in the past. But hey, if, you, if he hasn't performed lately, we can't be so confident that he's going to get back to it, especially if you're saying Washington isn't the best team at protecting their goalies. I will also add, and this might already be clear, like Holpe was a last minute move from tier two to tier three. So he really could go in either. And maybe we'll take some time to reflect after this. I guess, are we pub- are we publishing these again, Elon? Oh yeah, we'll publish everything. If you bought the Almanac, you're going to get all our skater projections. You're getting our goalie rankings from while we were recording. And you'll also get our goalie tiers here. And also, even if you didn't buy the Almanac, we'll probably publish this. Okay. Why, why don't I even share the link now and I'll make it later. Keepingcarlson.com slash goalies. And if you go to keepingcarlson.com slash goalies and nothing is there, then tweet at us and tell us to put it there and we'll make sure that happens. Okay, so then you said Murray and Pecorina. Yeah, so I, I definitely get what you're talking about with these two guys. Like Matt Murray had that terrible start to last season. Then he came back and he was phenomenal. I had him on my cupful team, helped me all the way to a championship. And he's ended the the crazy thing is he ended the year with a 919 save percentage, which was a high number compared to what he did last year. And that was even with that rough start. So imagine if he could just put it all together for a full season in his age 25 season. Yeah, like there's a lot of upside. But of course, the question mark, he got he struggled. And Casey DeSmith took over as a starter for a while. Then it was like the best thing in the world that Murray got put on the IR, I guess took a little vacation, cleared his head, came back, was a new man. And then you say Pecorine. 
I like Pecorini. Like, I really like Nashville. I think they've improved their team over the offseason. I think a lot of people have started to give up on them. Like, a lot of people started to give up on Washington right before they won their cup. And now that, you know, they've got Duchesne, you know, that, that's obviously on offense. But on defense, I just think that they're a really solid team. And Rene's in a good spot. And now that he has a two-year contract, it's not like last year when we were all like, Rene's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So maybe Nashville's going to want to play Saros a bit to see what they have before deciding if they want to resign Rene or not. Now, Rene's got two years left on their contract. so. They're just going to play him. This, I think it's going to be the same as last year, to be honest. Like last year, Rene played 56 games, had a 918 save percentage. I don't see much reason for it to change. And yeah, so I agree with all these picks, Brian. You've done a great job so far with these tiers. And we're still on the same tier with a couple more goalies to go, right? Yeah, I'm just going to say I expect Pecorine's uh, starts to change. Uh, he started only 55 games, which is the lowest number since his sophomore season, which will be a decade ago as we start 2019-20. And I imagine that he might lose a couple more starts uh, as the season goes. And then I just want to point out Matt Murray, heroic, that he was able to get back up to a 919 save percentage on the season after that horrific start. He dug himself a real big hole. And he dug himself out. So uh, way to go, Matt Murray. Okay, the three final people in tier three with one small question mark. Uh, actually, these final three are the guys who I had originally had in a separate tier because they I thought that maybe their question mark was a little bigger than the other guys we've already mentioned. Elon, you can help me decide. Uh, their names are Devin Dubnik, Jordan Binnington, and Connor Hallebuck. <laughs> I would put them in maybe a different tier. Well, I don't know. It's interesting. Let's just leave them because who knows? Like we try to be all scientific and really like get right to the nitty gritty. And then like, who knows what happens? Like last year, we would have had Connor Hellebuck in our top tier. I'm pretty sure we did have Connor Hellebuck in our top tier. Now we have him at the bottom of our third tier. Wondering if we should move him to our fourth tier. Because yeah, he wasn't great last year. He had a 913 save percentage. His career has been a little up and down, right? He had that great rookie season when he came in when Pavlik got injured and he was great. Then the next year, he kind of disappointed. The following year, fantastic. And then last season, not so great. Laurent Brossois was actually playing a lot better on Winnipeg. Not that I think that Winnipeg doesn't want to give Hellebuck another chance. Another thing I'm really concerned about regarding Hellebuck is Winnipeg's like not looking as good. They've lost Jacob Truba. They've lost Tyler Myers. And who have they brought in? Neil Pionk. Come on. That's not going to be helpful. Plus, Bufflin is older. He gets injured all the time. Like, there's no defense on this team. So I'm a little concerned about Hellebuck being in a not great situation. And he showed last year that he struggled. So I definitely agree with him in Tier 3. I would have even been okay with putting him on a lower tier. But sure. Then you've got Binnington. Kind of the same as Grubauer, right? Like, he had a great run, but we've never seen him play a whole season as a starter. Also with Bennington, he struggled. Not struggled, but he, he wasn't as good in the playoffs as he was in the regular season, which just gives... So now we have a sample of him being really amazing. We have a sample of him being, like, okay. So now we'll see a full season being a starter is very different than coming in for a stretch. So yeah, that's the question mark with him. Devin Dubnik, the last one you said, man, like, he's interesting. Like, I think Minnesota's better than a lot of people think. I'm not saying they're amazing, but I think they'll probably be around the playoff race next season. And also, Dubnik led all goalies last year in starts with 67. So how could you not want just a workhorse? He had a 913 save percentage. Not fantastic. Not terrible. Brian, I remember you said in the chapter about Minnesota that he played below his expected save percentage. So that's a bummer. Like, another goalie could have probably done better. But they don't have another goalie. Alex Stalock is in there. He's terrible, so Dubnik's probably going to play just as much. And uh, yeah, plus, hey, there's now Matt Dumba healthy. Maybe that'll even help him have better protection in front of him. So I like these three guys, but I like them where they are. 
Yeah, the same way that Gibson found his way in tier two because he's just so great at save percentage or has been so reliable there. Uh, Devin Dubnik forced his way into tier three just by sheer volume of starts. Like you mentioned, had the most games played of any goalie last season. And it's really unfortunate that the Wild don't have a better guy because no team protected their goalie better last year at five on five than Minnesota. And what does Devin Dubnik do? He goes out and underplays his expected save percentage by like one of the biggest margins of anyone in the league. So uh, unfortunate for them. Uh, But I think Dubnik is in this category as well as Biddington and Hellebuck because the fact that goalies are so unpredictable helps them because, look, we can't say with any certainty that the other guys in Tier 3 are going to have great seasons. And Dubnik, Biddington, and Hellebuck both carry some really high-end upside. So that could, like, if they reach that upside, that definitely vaults them into this group and they absolutely belong there. So they're here almost as like potential tier three years. They have a good shot at getting there, but they might just have like one little extra uh, tick next to their name is one little extra flag. But I, I think it's right to combine them into this tier. If not, they'd be in their own tier because they certainly don't belong with the guys in tier four. Yeah, so it'll be fun to get to them. And again, like I feel like probably if I were to guess, at least one person from tier three is gonna end up as a Vesna nominee, and then we're gonna look bad. Like, and then probably someone from tier six and then someone from tier one or something. <laughs> like if last year is any indication. So with that in mind, at least we're not being, you know, hubristic here. Like we know going into this short goalies board. I hope you listeners appreciate. We're doing our best. If you disagree, we'd love to hear from you and debate on Twitter. Tweet at us, tell us what we got wrong, and we'll tell you our reasoning. Maybe we can convince you. And hey, maybe you can convince us. It was actually a lot of fun in the almanac all throughout. Anytime I convinced Brian to change one of his projections, it like, felt really nice inside. It's like I just convinced a robot to change his mind. It was fantastic. Uh, okay. So what do we got next, Brian? What would you classify this next tier of goalies as? So tier four are guys. We talked about tier three guys who have one small or slightly bigger question mark next to their names. The guys in tier four have two of those. They have two question marks between uh, their, the quality of their goaltending, the workload they get, and the team they play for. And one thing they all have in common, save for one of them, is that they all have someone who could legitimately challenge them for starts. Well, I'm looking at this list, and I know I'm going to argue with you about at least one of them. But, uh, okay, why don't you give us a couple right now? And then I'm going to argue with you about two of them, actually. Maybe three of them. Okay. (laughs) Well... Okay, so that's interesting, because then I'm not sure how you would position your tiers. If you argue with me about all six of them, then perfect. We have a perfect tier four. Uh, so here we go. Uh, there's six. We'll do three at a time. So first one in tier four, Tuka Rask, his two question marks. The first one is about a save percentage. Look, he hasn't been the most consistent goalie over the last several years. Uh, he had a fantastic playoffs Can he carry that through into the regular season? He didn't to start last season. And that brings us to the second question mark, which is that Yaro Halak is still a very capable goalie, maybe still the better one, uh, but we know Rask as the incumbent is Boston's chosen son. And so they're going to try and play him more often. So those are Rask's too. Do you want to guess Ronta's and Jones's? Well, you didn't even announce them yet. So yeah, Auntie Ranta and Martin Jones are the next goalies that you're going to talk about. Yeah, Auntie Ranta, 
so obvious. He hasn't played a full season yet because he keeps getting injured. He was a darling last year, right? Like in drafts, everyone was trying to sneak in Antti Ranta because he had put such a good season together with Arizona when he, when he was healthy in 2017-18. But then in 18-19, he got injured early on. We never got to see what he could do. But if he could actually have a healthy full season, the upside is there for him to be one of the top in the league. Like he's been so good for so long as the backup on the Rangers. And then that one season as a starter on Arizona in the times that he wasn't hurt. So yeah, I like him for his upside. And also I do like Arizona to maybe be better. I know I say it every year, but they did almost make the playoffs last year. And now they have Phil Kessel and maybe a healthy Auntie Ranta. Then Martin Jones is like the opposite of Ranta, maybe. Like I have no faith in him at all. He's a big bummer to watch. Like I was cheering for the Sharks last year. I made a big bet on them. Not a big bet, but I made a good bet on them to win the cup. Plus I was excited that they had Eric Carlson and I wanted to see it all come together. Then in the playoffs, first of all, Carlson wasn't even playing. So that sucked. And then Martin Jones, like basically San Jose had to score like four goals a game every time they wanted to win because otherwise it was like almost a guarantee that Jones was going to let in two or three at least but on the plus side San Jose is a good team their backup isn't much better uh Jones is probably going to play a ton of games so even if he doesn't have the greatest save percentage he's going to give you a ton of wins a ton of saves so how can you not have him at least in this tier four so yeah it's kind of like it's interesting Rask Ranta Jones three goalies that we're putting in the same tier but all in very different situations like Rask Anyways, you already said it all, but yeah, I think they're an interesting trio. Which of these three would you want if you had to pick someone on your team? You know, I think I would go, and this is this more reflects my feelings on Darcy Kemper than anything, but I would go Ranta. He, uh, like you look at the best five-on-five save percentage goalies in the last three years who haven't, like on my giant list of goalies who don't, who haven't had huge workloads, one, two, three are Bennington, Ranta and Grubauer. So if we're into Grubauer's upside, and I'm already into Bennington's upside, I think more than you are, Elon, uh, how can I not be into Auntie Ranta's upside? And I think his play will earn him that starting role. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. Obviously, a lot is going to depend on, like, I think Arizona's probably going to give Darcy Camper a shot at being like 1A, 1B, 50-50. Maybe they'll just give both goalies, you know, whoever's playing well will play. You think that it's Ranta's job, or maybe you think that that is what Arizona's going to do, but just Ranta's going to outplay Camper. But Camper, I mean, at some point, you have to give this guy some credit. Like, he had such an amazing year last year, and he was pretty solid the year before that. But I'm okay to put Ranta here. But I also think he he's a big question mark. I feel like Ronda's almost like he's either going to be awesome and deserve to be in tier two or he's going to deserve to be in like tier six. I almost feel like he's not going to land in tier four. But since we don't know which one he'll land in, here's like a good place to slot him in. Yeah, exactly. I, I have big hopes for him. And there is the chance that he becomes my next Eddie Lack. Okay, so who are the other three goalies in this tier four? The other three goalies in tier four are Carter Hart, Jacob Markstrom, and Petr Mrazek. So like this is like sort of a tier of of black sheep, right? Like none of them really fit well alongside one another. But when I think, I think when you wash out, you know, all the pros and cons of owning each one, they come out to about the same level in, in my confidence in drafting them. Uh, What do you think about which one do you want to talk about first? Hart, Markstrom, or Morazic? Which one are you, which one of these, now that we've named all six, were you certain you were going to argue with me about? Well, what was it about again? Like which one has a backup? You said that all of them have a backup that could compete with them, right? Except Martin Jones. Except Martin Jones. Right. So I would say that Carter Hart doesn't have a backup. I know you love Brian Elliott so, so much. I think at this point, Carter Hart is like the for sure starter. I could even see him being a huge workload guy. Like last year, Philly ran eight goalies throughout the year and every one of them was bad. Actually, Brian Elliott, I will be fair, wasn't so, so bad, but he also couldn't stay healthy. But finally, when Carter 
Carter Hart came in, it was like the clouds parted. And now we saw, oh, this team could actually be good. Like, I think they have a good goalie finally for the first time in forever. And I know, Brian, you'll probably want to bring up Steve Mason and say, Steve Mason was a really good goalie. Don't forget about him. But okay, he's gone, thankfully. And Carter Hart, I think, is the real deal. He's what do you in- mean, thankfully? Enough with Steve Mason. I want to talk with you about you trying to tell me how, oh, his even strength save percentage for the last three years is actually a lot better than people think. Like, whatever. Okay. Hart has been a heralded prospect for a while. It's not as if he came out of nowhere last year. He's so young. He was 20 years old last year, and he put up a 917 save percentage. It was higher at first, right? Then he, I guess, had a couple bad games near the end. But now he's a year older. He's definitely now not having to worry about going to the minors. Like Philly, I think there would be riots in Philly if they didn't let Carter Hart make the team. I think he's the starter. I think he's really good, but I also think he does belong in this tier because he hasn't played a full season. Like, you know, there could be an argument to be made that he should be in the higher tier if we're putting Jordan Binnington there, but I'm okay to leave Hart here, especially since Philadelphia is a bigger, like, question mark of a team. Like, their defense isn't so great. Or yeah. at least, yeah. So, okay, I, I'm okay with that. And then who else? Wait, we had Jake. Do you want me to keep going or do you want to respond about Carter Hart? I'll just respond to that quickly. Carter Hart did not show the same sort of skill as Jordan Binnington, or he didn't put up the same sort of numbers. He did not outperform his expected save percentage last year uh, at all, let alone the way Jordan Binnington did. And he's not on as good a team. So I definitely do not agree that they belong in the same tier. As for Brian Elliott, Elon, I, I know. I know he's let you down a few times. I know he's had some rough save percentages in the last year, but I'm telling you, it's not entirely his fault. He hasn't been so well protected and he was better than Carter Hart last year at five on five on the penalty kill though. He had a really tough time an 845 save percentage ranked 43rd out of 55 goalies. So at least a hundred minutes shorthanded. And I don't think that's where he belongs. I think that's what made his number look worse than what was deserved. So I think there was room for him to get back up to 910 last season, which, by the way, was the average save percentage in the NHL. Which is crazy, right? We used to talk about like 915, 916 as average. So it's really gone down. All the goalies are bad. Or maybe all the shooters are good. (laughs) One of the two. (laughs) Yeah. The thing also is just in terms of like PR, I think in Philly, they've already printed like a million Carter Hart posters <laughs> that they're going to sell at Zellers or whatever. Like they're not going to be playing Brian Elliott. Like he's old news. Like Carter there's, Hart- no, there's no Zellers in Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever Target, I guess I should have said. <laughs> there's okay. no Zellers in Canada even. I don't know. Whatever the Walmart, I guess I should have said it was the obvious. No, Target line. is good. Okay, fair. So what? Do we, what? Who else do we have here? Jacob Markstrom, I think, is a surprise to people because the next tier we're still going to have some pretty solid goalies on like decent teams. But I kind of am okay with this Markstrom thing. But actually, no, I'd probably have Markstrom in another tier because yeah, he has played well. Like, okay, again, like 912 save percentage last season. I'm sure you'll talk about some underlying numbers that make you like him more. Like, he's a lot, definitely a lot better than we expected him to be. We do expect Vancouver to be better next year. You know, they have Quinn Hughes in the picture now. They have Tyler Myers, and they re-signed Alex Edlers. Their defense looks a little bit deeper, plus, obviously, Elias Pettersson. And, like, you know, we all know what's going on in Vancouver. They should improve next year. But I think also you're not giving enough credit to Thatcher Demko being a threat. Like, I think he's finally going to make the team next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if Vancouver gave Demko a good number of games. Like, I do agree that I think Markstrom is still the starter going into the year. He'll probably play more, but I don't know if he's getting the 60 games that he got last year. That Let's just say that for sure. So he's a tricky one for me. Petr Morazic, I like here, though, for sure, because he's now Carolina's starting goalie. He was good last year. Carolina's looking like just a better and better team. I like what they did in the offseason. I like how Svechnikov's going to be a year older. Like, 
Yeah, I think Caroline is good, and Mrazek seems to be finally a starter. Like He's still risky. We have him in Tier 4 because he's shown us so many low lows, but hopefully he could at least be average on a good team, get you a lot of wins, hopefully a lot of starts. So he's good, but I don't know. Maybe you'll have to explain yourself a little bit about Markstrom here because I think I'm looking at the goalies in the next year, and I feel like Markstrom belongs more with them than with these guys. I acknowledge that Jacob Markstrom is a bit of a swing here. It's sort of me just professing uh, my realization and understanding that Jacob Markstrom is a pretty good NHL starter. It was a long road to get here since being drafted uh, by Florida in the second round, 31st overall, all the way back in 2008. And then he didn't even play above 30 games in the year until he was age 26, 2015, 16. And he had a 915 save percentage when he did it. Since then, 910, 912, 912. This is a guy who is just about an average NHL goalie. If I had to guess, I'd say a smidge above. And that's why I like him. And the thing that really put him over the top and into tier four for me was that I, you and I definitely just disagree on Demko and how much of a challenge he can pose this year. Markstrom, I think would need to leave the door open for Demko to really get a a substantial shot at stealing starts. I don't think Markstrom's going to do that. And even if he does, I'm not sure Demko's ready. I have no idea if Demko's ready. And maybe I'm a fool to bet against any young goalie after what we saw from Hart and Bennington and uh, whoever else last year. But that's what my bet is, that Jacob Markstrom, he started 60 games last year, or he played 60 games last year. I could see him playing 60 again. Yeah, by the almanac, hear Brian poo-poo every single rookie as we go through each team. I think his Capo Caco projection was like 25 or something, but you'll have to listen to that. That's a lie. You know it. (laughs) Okay. That might have been my Capo Kakonen projection. Oh, right. Who is the backup goalie or the third string goalie on? Oh, can I remember this again? I don't remember. Who is it? Uh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, I did say in the Minnesota chapter, if Dubnik for some reason gets injured, don't go grab Alex Stylock. Go grab Kapo Kakinen because Stylock's not going to be the starting goalie, you know, if Dubnik's missing a lot of time. But hopefully Dubnik just doesn't get injured, of course. I don't want to wish any bad will on anyone. All right, so that's this tier. I'm still not convinced about Markstrom, but I guess we'll just agree to disagree. And now, who do you have in tier five? All right, tier five. So tier five is full of goalies who have two bigger question marks than the goalies in tier four who had two modest question marks. Um, These are guys, a lot of them have histories as NHL starters, and a lot of them are either dealing with injury troubles or entering the twilight of their career. We have three goalies who are 35 or older. Uh, How about I'll name those guys first. So we've got Henrik Lundqvist, Corey Crawford, and Jimmy Howard in Tier 5. All right, so we're starting it off with the oldies who are all younger than me, except for Henrik Lundqvist. One guy still here is older than me, so I'm clinging to that. Never retire, Lundqvist, please. Uh, The thing with the Rangers is that they've improved, right, a lot over the offseason. They got Jacob Truba. They obviously signed Artemi Panarin. They drafted Kapokakos. This is going to be hopefully a better team than they were last year. And even though Lundqvist has struggled, which he did, he struggled last year, he really struggled in the World Championships. I listed in the New York chapter some of the countries who had goalies producing similar numbers as Henrik Lundqvist in that tournament but he's still Hank he's hopefully still a good goalie maybe if he could be on a slightly better team I don't think Alex Georgiev though he is someone who did have some strong starts last season it's still Lundqvist's year and maybe the Rangers decided well not the only reason obviously but I'm thinking one reason maybe that they decided to just go all in cut that rebuild short sign Artemi Panarin maybe they'd like to give Lundqvist another cup run so 
I definitely like him here. He's obviously a big question mark after having only a 907 save percentage last year and not being much better the year before. But yeah, he makes sense. Who are the other old, older guys? Or Corey Crawford? Yeah. So I, I, why don't we just also say, Brian, I see you have Robin Leonard also in this tier. So we have Crawford and Leonard both yeah. there. They're both Chicago goalies. And yeah, like, I mean, it's really hard to say Crawford's been good since forever, but then lately he's had some injury troubles, specifically head injury troubles. And last year really didn't go well for him. He had a 908 save percentage. Then on the other hand, you have Robin Leonard, who was bad for a while when he was on Buffalo. And then last year on the Islanders, he was amazing. In a 930 save percentage, he was a Vesna nominee. Now he comes to Chicago and it's kind of tough to decide who's going to be the starter and both have question marks just because Chicago wasn't the best team defensively. So, and also they're just question marks because they have each other there. So we don't even know who's going to be the starter. So you're not going to want to use a high traffic on a goalie that could end up being the backup because I could really see it going either way. You said in the Chicago chapter that you think Crawford is the better one to own in fantasy. I went Leonard, but it's like razor thin margin. It's really hard to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's Crawford for me just because he's the incumbent. And I think if he can stay healthy all season, he probably gets a slightly larger share of Chicago's workload if he can handle it, right? He was a 908 last year, which is not great. And it wasn't his best body of work. But even with that rough year last year, Corey Crawford is a top 10 goalie in the last three seasons in five on five save percentage. He is uh, three spots behind Robin Lehner though, uh, just by actually he's, one spot behind Robin Lehner because Robin Lehner is tied with a couple other guys. Lehner is a 927 goalie at five on five the last three years. Crawford is a 926 goalie and uh, Lehner's played another 1600 minutes. So this just illustrates the razor thin margins we have between these two Chicago guys. I really see this as like a Rask Halak situation where uh, Rask is the guy who's won the cups. He's been in the city. They love him. Uh, Halak and Laner are the ones that, you know, they've brought in to uh, to support that number one goalie who had some injury risks and sometimes uh, demonstrations of inconsistency. So, yeah, I see that being a pretty good uh, analogy, except Boston protects their goalie well. Chicago ranked 31st in protecting their goalie last season. So that'll be the difficulty, although they did take some steps in the offseason, bringing in uh, Mata and Dahan to to improve their decor. Yeah, so we'll see if they make a difference. I mean, Chicago could be an interesting team next year. I don't think many people have them as a playoff contender. If they get good goaltending, I think that makes a big difference. Like, even just looking at last year, if they would have let in, like, one or two fewer goals a game, that would have made a big difference. Their goaltending was really not great at all. They had Cam Ward, who was terrible, and Corey Crawford, who was struggling. So hopefully next year, one of Leonard or Crawford will hit, and maybe this team will win a lot more games than people are expecting. Okay, so we're in this Tier 5. You also mentioned Jimmy Howard, who, yeah, like, I mean, it's the same, like, as Lundqvist, but actually, I think even worse. Like, Howard, to me, would be at the bottom of this tier, because Detroit... Not a good team, right? No one's expecting them to contend next year. Howard has been, I guess, average-ish. Like, he had a 909 save percentage last year. So I'm not really into him, but he is a starting goalie. He should play a lot. And uh, so, I don't know. There's not really much to say about him. He's, like, solid enough, but also not great at all. Yeah, he's the Devin Dubnik, like... That you have Devin Dubnik in tier three, Martin Jones in tier four, and that's the role Jimmy Howard is playing in tier five. He's just the volume guy. And like we should clarify, these goalies are tiered, I think, if you're looking for your number one. Like if you already have your volume guy, you might prefer to pick the the guy with the better rate stats from tier four or five as your next player rather than a volume guy in a tier above them. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, or maybe you want to take a shot on a goalie that's not scheduled to be the starter, but you think could overtake the starter, you know, take a swing on someone with more upside. Brian, I do think that Howard's in the wrong tier. Or, like, Jonathan Quick, who you don't have in this tier, is in the wrong tier. Like, I I see them as the same. Like, Detroit and L.A. are similar teams, and I see Howard and Quick as similar goalies. So, but whatever. Whatever. Who else do you have in this tier five? I know it's not Jonathan Quick, and I think, I'm not saying that he should be there, but I think Howard shouldn't be here. But let's see who else is here to hang out with Howard and Lundqvist and Crawford and Leonard. I'm just going to say Howard ranks 15 spots above Jonathan Quick in five-on-five save percentage in the last three years. So that's why I put him up there. And you're right, maybe it's a little generous. Maybe he's more like the Markstrom of Tier 5. So we've talked about Lundqvist. We talked about Crawford and Lehner and Howard. And that leaves three other guys, uh, Semyon Varlamov, Corey Schneider, and David Riddick. Yeah, interesting choices, right? Again, (laughs) Try Try and connect those dots. I'm not going to. I'm just going to talk about them separately. Like, Varlamov had to get in here. The Islanders signed him for big money. They are a team that just produced two amazing fantasy goalies last year in Leonard and Grice. So how can you not expect Varlamov to... Like, he's definitely going to get a shot as a starter. I think they're bringing him in as a starter. He had a rough year last year, but he has shown himself to be good in the past. I think he's like a boomer bust type of pick. I think if he's protected as well as the other Islanders goalies were last year, and if Varlamov is able to even just play average, that might make him really good. So, yeah, he might belong higher than Tier 5, but also there's the risk that he's just continues to not be good, and then the Islanders are forced to cut their losses and start playing Thomas Grice more. So I think he belongs here as a risk-reward kind of guy. Corey Schneider, I guess kind of the same thing. Like, I honestly, going into Almanac prep, wasn't high on Corey Schneider at all. I would have even said that Mackenzie Blackwood is the New Jersey Devils goalie that I would want. But you take a look, last season, in the second half of the year, Corey Schneider turned things around. He finally was playing well, like, really well. He had, like, something like a 920-plus save percentage down the stretch. And now New Jersey is a much improved team. They have P.K. Subban in, Nikita Gusev. They drafted Jack Hughes. A lot like the Rangers, right? They've brought in a lot of reinforcements. I think Schneider is the starting goalie going into the year hopefully he could could keep up what he was doing before or he'll get injured or he'll struggle and then all of a sudden Blackwood will be a great guy to try to nab in your draft and then who was the last person that you said David Riddick I mean yeah yeah, I mean you're higher on him than I am I actually think that Talbot would be my guess as the goalie that's gonna end up winning the job because Talbot was good for a really long time I don't know a couple seasons in Edmonton and I feel like his terrible seasons over the past couple have more to do with Edmonton being bad. And now on Calgary, it's like a great opportunity for Talbot while Riddick. Yeah. He had a decent season, but don't forget he lost the starting job to Mike Smith by the end of the season. So I don't think that Calgary looks to him as being the starter because they didn't play him in the playoffs when they lost to who was it again that they lost to Colorado. Yeah, there you go. So I don't know. I, I see why you have Riddick here, but I would probably have him in a tier lower as well. What's but you different- could, go ahead, defend yourself. Yeah, what's different about Riddick from the rest of the guys who are falling in the next tier in Tier 6 is that, well, one thing he has in common with all the Tier 5 guys is he's the favored guy for workload. And I know that's kind of funny because I have Crawford and Laner in there, um, but that works in his favor. And he's got upside. So I, I think no one in Tier 6 has both that favored workload and the same <laughs> upside, although you're definitely going to argue with me about one of them. Well, but uh, I just said that I don't think he has favored workload. Like, where do you even get this from? Oh, so I definitely think he has the favored workload. He was the better goalie last year. And Cam Talbot has sort of uh, presented himself as being a roughly average NHL goalie when you compare him to how he's done according to his expected save percentage, which is a great number to have handy when you're saying, oh, yeah, he was sunk by Edmonton 
his expected save percentage suggests otherwise. In fact, over the last few years, he's either performed way above that expected save number or way below it. And it all washes out to somebody who is probably about an average goalie. But uh, I don't know if he's capable of really having an average season. Either there's going to be really good or really bad. We'll find out in Calgary. But David Riddick has been the better goalie over the last few seasons compared to Cam Talbot. I mean, we say last few seasons. Hasn't Riddick only played one season now? Well, so Riddick's played 67 games. Cam Talbot has played 175. So we can be more confident in what we know about Talbot. But I think that kind of works in Riddick's favor. I think there's still this unknown upside that he might have a shot at reaching. He's also the incumbent in Calgary. Mm. I agree with you, Elon. I think Cam Talbot is a legit challenge and could very well end up with getting more starts than David Riddick. But I guess this is me uh, putting my feather in Riddick's cap. That is not at all the same. Yeah, that's not the same. You know what I'm doing. Okay, I'm happy to agree to disagree. I will just say one last thing that I don't consider Riddick the incumbent because he wasn't even playing in the playoffs last year. So if you were like the backup on a team one year and then the starting goalie leaves, I don't think that makes you the incumbent. (laughs) Also, Cam Talbot has been a starting goalie in the NHL. And it was just like back in 2016-17, he had that great season with the Oilers where he played 73 games. We were just talking about how Dubnik played 67 to lead the league this past season. Talbot played 73 games, had a 919 save percentage on a not great Oilers team. So he's shown that he has the capability. Then, yeah, he struggled the last couple of seasons, but I like his chances. But, you know, you go team Elon, you go team Brian, maybe you draft both with the hope that one of them will get the job and you can just drop the other one early in the season. All right, so let's go to tier six now. Who do you have in this tier and what's the difference between tier six and tier five to you? Okay, the difference in tier six is that you have a bunch of guys who aren't the favored uh, guy to get the most starts in their city and also uh well you might disagree on Riddick in my opinion right these are my tiers Elon you can have your own if you want but these are mine so yeah these guys I think are missing that upside of being the one to start the most games or at least they're the dark horse in terms of being able to do that and if they're not because there's a couple guys who probably will start the most games for their team their upside is pretty limited like I haven't loved what I've seen from them recently or I haven't seen anything at all from them recently. How about we start with those guys, Elon? Because I know you cannot wait to sink your teeth into the Columbus goaltending controversy. That is Elvis Merzlikens versus Eunice Corpusalo. Merzlikens, your guy, right? I mean, this is just the key example of how Brian hates rookies and Brian no. like. <laughs> no, I'm not. Just to be clear, I never put Corpusalo ahead of Merzlikens. Although, wait, I might have just because we've seen him in the NHL before. But I think it's a dead heat. I think people comparing Merzlikens and Corpusalo and saying, well, Corpusalo has been garbage the last little while have not been 100% fair to my buddy Eunice. Okay, so you're saying that what, he was actually overperforming an expected save percentage or something? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to say that we've seen him be successful um, and that I'm not sure we've seen the best that he has to offer. Like, I, you know, I can't really explain away uh, what he's done, but like he had an awful season on the penalty kill last season, uh, ranked 61 out of 67 goalies who played at least 50 minutes there. He had an 818 save percentage there, way below the expected number. The average NHL number on the penalty kill last year, somewhere around like 840s, 850s. Uh, so 818 is pretty awful. And I'm not sure that reflects his true talent there. 
That's fair. Like, okay, obviously we don't know. Like, I think it's going to be a competition in training camp and throughout the season of who's going to play more between Merz Lickens and Corpusalo. To me, if I'm drafting someone, I feel like we haven't seen Corpusalo be good. So, yeah, he's never been a starter. Like, obviously anything can happen. But Merz Lickens, meanwhile, has been great in the league that he's been playing in. He's also the same age as Corpusalo. It's not as if we've got, like, a Carter Hart situation where he's, like, super young and Corpusalo is, like, an old veteran that, like, knows the ropes already. Like, Merz Lickens, he's 25. Corpusalo's 25. Merzlikens has been having success recently and Corpusalo has not, though obviously there's a bit of a difference in the difficulty of the leagues they've been playing in. So who knows? If it's me, I'm going Merzlikens. I feel like he has more upside. And uh, yeah, so those are those two. Who else do you have in this tier? So I'll go with the guys. Uh, I guess the only other guy who's potential to get a favored workload, well, you would say Kem Talbot, so he's in there too. Uh, Jonathan Quick could very well start the majority of the games in LA, uh, but he was hot garbage last season nobody missed their expected save percentage by more than jonathan quick did on the bad side of things underplaying it so yeah he just had a like he faced the most challenging workload of his career to be fair but he withered beneath it so uh poor johnny quick and i don't think la is going to be doing a whole lot better this year than they did last year it can't be quite as bad as last year but they're still going to be uh, one of the worst teams in the league so yeah so that's why i've got him here just for volume uh do you want to talk about him or should i tell you my other guys in this tier I'll say something quickly about Quick. I don't think he'll be as bad as he was. I think this happens a lot in fantasy. Like, over the years, you have a goalie who does so, so bad. Everyone forgets about him. Then it turns out he's fine. Like, the next year, I'm not saying Quick is going to be amazing, but I'll bet you he's going to be better. He's going to earn his way into a higher tier. I think we have him too low. I get what you're saying. Like, LA doesn't look good. He's been bad, but he's still the starting goalie. And I don't think he belongs with like who Merz Lickens and Corpusalo and, and guys like that. But we could agree to disagree once again. I, I, I'm not fighting for Jonathan Quick here. I'm saying he's one of the worst starters probably going to next year, but he has shown good seasons in the past. It's definitely possible that he could do it again, play average, be like an average guy that gives you a ton of starts on your team. It's possible. I think that's what you're hoping for. Uh, and then a couple guys who will give you great rate stats when they do start, which could be half the season or maybe a little more if the guys in front of them stumble. Yarrow Halak and Thomas Grice, the elder statesman. Uh, Halak had a 922 save percentage last year. Grice had a 927. They each played at least 40 games. Same thing could happen again next season. Uh, so not number one goalie number material, maybe not even number two goalie material, but they would make a great number three or regular spot start. Like in a league where you don't need to uh, accrue a lot of starts, each one would probably work very well as a number two who could, for stretches, see a number one's workload. Yeah, especially if you're in a league where the goalie categories are more rate-like, you know, like goals against average and save percentage, maybe it's okay to give up a few starts for guys you could rely on. And yeah, Halak and Grice have both been really good over the past few seasons. And I guess that finishes this tier. Did we mention Cam Talbot? Well, I did allude to him as somebody who could be in the wrong tier, right? If he can get as many starts or more starts than David Riddick. He probably fits alongside Halak and Grice, although in my mind, he's a much less likely person to put up a save percentage above 920, let alone 915, 917. Don't hate me for saying that. And there's one other guy who we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Linus Allmark, who is in this tier because he has upside, but he has a big hurdle to clear first. Uh, Well, first, his own play needs to get better. He didn't have a great season last year, uh, but he does need to establish himself as, as the starter. And we haven't said Carter Hutton's name yet, so I guess this is me 
calling my shot that Linus Allmark is going to at least be sharing the job out of camp and then will eventually earn his way into the job. Yeah, and don't forget that Buffalo could be a nice team to play goalie for for once next season. Like, they've brought in some guys. Like, they've traded for Brandon Montour midway through the season. They already have Darlene and Ristolainen. Then they got Colin Miller. They got Henry Yokiharyu. I might even be forgetting someone. Like, they, they just brought in a whole bunch of new defensemen recently. And so, like, they excite me as a team that could be a lot better than people are used to. And so having the starting goalie on that team could actually be a lot better. It's just a matter of figuring out who it'll be. And I agree with you, Brian. Like, Carter Hutton, come on he's never even been a starter like he was a backup on st louis had a good stretch somehow got this contract with buffalo and last year he started well and then he really fell off which opened the door for allmark and then he stumbled didn't take advantage but i think it'll happen again next year and we just got to hope that allmark could do better hopefully having better defensemen on the team will help with that so yeah i like his upside so i like him like as similar to a camp talbot you know as someone who i think could end up being the starting goalie on a decent team so we'll have to see obviously calgary's a better team than buffalo okay so that's tier six before we get to tier seven brian i want to take a second to thank a sponsor for this chapter of the almanac and i guess also this episode of keeping carlson and that's our friend keith veronese's comic emporium so this is a guy keith he's a patron keeping carlson we like him a lot and he sells comics on the internet and you know what it's kind of nice sometimes to actually read things that are real like i'm a big phone guy but sometimes my eyes even start to hurt my wife is always telling me you know why don't you read something read a book i'm like i'm not gonna read a book what am i a nerd no but what i might be interested in doing is reading a cool comic book and there's so many that have been created and you could get all of them over at keith's comic emporium and guess what if you check out tinyurl.com slash Keith's Comics, you'll receive 13% off any purchase of $13 or greater on the entire 13000 and growing comic book inventory at Keith's Comics Emporium until opening puck drop of the 2019-20 NHL season. Keith is also going to be giving away $25 of store credit to three random cupful participants. That's not, not something we haven't talked about yet. We have a fantasy league. KeepingCarlson.com slash cupful or slash league will give you all the information. If you sign up to be a patron of Keeping Carlson, that's one of the things you get is to join the cupful. We talked about it a lot in our past episode. If you sign up for the cupful, you might get your name drawn and get a $25 credit for Keith's Comic Emporium. So there you go. Check it out. You get a discount. You know, you might even win a $25 credit and you read some comics. Have some fun. Keith's Comic Emporium, tinyurl.com slash Keith's Comics. Now, Brian, let's talk about something a lot less exciting, which is a tier of (laughs) we're getting into some crappy goalies here, right? Like goalies that we're not so excited about, but we're going to go through every single goalie that we expect to play next season. So we have to get to some of these guys all the way down in tier seven. Yeah, and Tier 7 features five goalies who can be divided into two separate categories. The first category is they've shown us they can play to the level of like Yaro Holak or Thomas Grice as a number two or a 1B, but we're not sure how much time they're going to see this year. And those guys are Darcy Kemper in Arizona and Anton Hudobin in Dallas. Oh, so I was talking about bad goalies. No, these are great goalies. Yeah, it's just a matter of if they're going to get starts. Well, from what we saw from Darcy Kemper last year, he might be capable of being a successful starting goalie. As, well, especially on a team like Arizona, that was such a nice team, I guess, to play goalie for. Brian, I'm sure you're going to say that Arizona protected their goalies like especially well, and that helped Kemper have those amazing numbers. They protected Kemper a, a lot better than Kemper had been protected in the past. 
Okay, so, but obviously he was still up for the task in 925 save percentage last year. And yeah, Anton Hudobin, 923 save percentage. He's on a good team. Like, obviously, Ben Bishop, as we've said, is the starter, but also a little bit injury prone. So if you could draft Hudobin, you might even get a starter for short stretches throughout the season. Yeah, I like them both, but obviously their upside is limited because there are starting goalies ahead. Though I do think Kemper does have a chance to challenge Ronta. But, you know, still, I, I agree with you that I'd rather have Ronta. I know my time to needle Kemper is long past, and it might be a tired routine by now. But I also want to point out that Kemper had an 897 save percentage on the penalty kill, which probably won't hold. Uh, he'll probably fall back down to, I would say, the average territory, which, again, is around let's just call it 850 for the time being. Anton Hudobin, I'm more confident in being an actually good goalie. Uh, And he's, I mean, both these guys are going to see time. Both of them are playing behind injury prone goalies. So both really have a chance. Like Hudobin played 41 games last year, only picked up 16 wins in them, but he probably deserved better with that 923 save percentage. So Kemper, Hudobin, uh, again, if you're trying to draft your number one goalie or you need a volume guy, and you're looking at tier seven, they're not your first choices. They're like the add-ons once you know you've got whatever volume you need. Uh, If you don't have volume yet, well, you probably should have taken one of the goalies in the first six tiers instead, because in tier seven, you're left with three guys that if you play them, you're just going to need to watch out. They could blow up your numbers any given night, and there's not a lot of hope for a whole lot of wins either. I'm talking about Miko Koskinen in Edmonton, Carter Hutton in Buffalo, and Craig Anderson in Ottawa. Yeah, also all three of them have challengers. Like, they're not even guaranteed starters, right? Like, Mike Smith is in Edmonton, and then we've already talked about Linus Elmark in Buffalo, and then Ottawa has... Anders Nilsson, who had a nice stretch at the end of last season. I already mused in the Ottawa and Montreal chapters that maybe Craig Anderson might even get traded at the trade deadline. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. I don't know if he's actually going to be a starting goalie all year long. So yeah, risky goalies. Maybe you could get some starts, but these are on not great teams. I guess actually Buffalo, I am saying, is a pretty good team, but I have no confidence in Carter Hutton. Miko Koskinen, he did have that good stretch at the start of last season. Then he really kind of fell apart. And Edmonton has not given us any reason to expect them to be a better place to play goalie. So I, I, I'm trying to think of nice things to say about these guys. Craig Anderson, I think, is a good goalie, though he is also going into his age 38 season. So at some point, that's going to fall apart. So yeah, n- none of those guys are guys I'd want to have on my fantasy team, aside from a stream now and then, hold them while they're hot and then drop them once they're not. Yeah, exactly. Like you could hope that they get out to a really great start or that at some point... uh like nobody's taking the reins and they rattle off three or four straight uh, very good starts in a row. Koskinen of the three was the only one to be be able to really do that. Uh, but yeah, I don't really want to be relying on either one of Koskinen, Hutton or Anderson. Okay, so let's go to the next tier. We're flying now. Tier eight. How do you classify these guys? Tier eight has four guys in it who are challengers uh, with an open enough door to make a run. Like they're not going to start the season as the number one. Uh, They might not even start the season as one B, but they have some upwards mobility and the ability to play well. There's three of them. I'm confident that they can handle an NHL job. Uh, The fourth, I'm not so sure. I guess I'll name the fourth now that I've teased it that way. Mackenzie Blackwood in New Jersey, who posted a higher save percentage in the NHL than he ever has at any other professional level of hockey. That 918 last year that we saw coming from a few fantastic starts. So good for Mackenzie Blackwood. And he's got Corey Schneider ahead of him, who is not uh, impermeable. The other three guys in this tier are Brian Elliott, Casey DeSmith, and James Reimer. 
Okay, yeah. So it kind of seems like you think these are backups that could challenge or backups that could get a lot of starts at least, but not as good as the backups in a couple tiers above, like Thomas Grice and Darcy Kemper. But yeah, I think they're all interesting. Obviously, you don't like Mackenzie Blackwood because he's going to be a rookie next season. But yeah, he did impress us in a stretch last season. We'll see if he can keep it up. And yeah, I think it'll depend on if Corey Schneider struggles, then Mackenzie Blackwood will get a chance. And this New Jersey team looks pretty good. James Reimer. Yeah, people forget that Reimer hasn't been terrible for very long. Like, yeah, he had a bad year last year in Florida, only a 900 save percentage. But like before that, he was a lot better than Petr Mrazek, right? In the, in the previous couple of years. So I think people are maybe underrating the possibility that James Reimer can challenge Mrazek for a start. Like I definitely think that Mrazek is the starter going into the season. But like you said, Reimer does have a shot to get a decent number of games, maybe even overtake him if Mrazek really struggles. Casey DeSmith, I mean, yeah, it happened last year, right? For there was a stretch where he was getting stars over Matt Murray. Could always happen again. And he had a pretty decent season. He was especially good at the start of the year and then wasn't as good at the end of the year. Once Matt Murray was doing good, it was like there could only be one good goalie in Pittsburgh. So Casey DeSmith had to take a step back, I guess. Then Brian Elliott, I don't know. You like him. We've already talked about him a bit when we talked about Carter Hart. I'm not as high on him as you, but you can have him. He could be your new Philly goalie that you love, your new Steve Mason. <gasps> Wow, thank you. And I don't love him quite as much as Steve Mason. Uh, let me share a, a little Casey DeSmith theory that's in the Almanac, just a, just a taste um, of why he might get a better chance at getting seen in Pittsburgh this season. He is three years older than Matt Murray, uh, even though he's Matt Murray's backup. But Matt Murray only has one year left on his contract before he becomes a restricted free agent uh, who is eligible for arbitration. So. Uh, I wonder if Pittsburgh, before uh, having to get into those negotiations with Matt Murray, wants to know what they have in Casey DeSmith. They're not a team that has, you know, a ton of cap space to play around with. And Casey DeSmith is only coming in at one and a quarter million for the next three seasons. If Matt Murray is going to get awarded some sort or negotiate some contract that's like, I don't know, like Vasilevsky just signed for nine and a half million dollars. Murray's resume is arguably better. So I would be concerned about that if I'm Pittsburgh. I know Pittsburgh needs to just focus on winning every game. Uh, That's the counterpoint here. But I also wonder if they might look for a couple extra opportunities to know and understand what they have in Casey DeSmith as a backup so that they know how much uh, they need to worry or invest in Matt Murray going forward. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable theory. At the end of the day, uh, unfortunately for Pittsburgh, their window might be closing. It's not closed yet, but... Uh, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, they're not getting any younger. So yeah, they're going to have to go with the goalie that's going to help them win. But why not check and see if maybe that is Casey DeSmith first stretch last season? It was, and they were happy to bench Matt Murray and play Casey DeSmith. So it could happen. So yeah, he's someone to think about, but definitely someone like Mackenzie Blackwood or James Reimer, I think has a much better chance to overtake and become a starter versus DeSmith and Brian Elliott. Okay, now we go to tier nine. I'm liking some of the names that I'm seeing in here. How are you going to classify this tier? It looks kind of to me, if I were to guess... Like, for sure, backups, but that might play more than average backups. Yeah, that's a pretty good way of putting our Tier 9 goalies. Uh, They're goalies who have some upside, but the door isn't quite as open for them to reach it. They're less likely to reach that upside than the guys in Tier 8. And they are UC Saros, Thatcher Demko, Curtis McElhaney, Laurent Brassois, and Jack Campbell, all 
who had good seasons last year. In fact, every one of them, including Demko, who only played nine games, had a save percentage that beat league average. Unfortunately for them, uh, they've got some pretty big names in front of them on their organizational depth charts. Saros has Rene. Demko has Markstrom. You can argue with me on that one. McElhaney has Vasilevsky. Boisois has Hellebuck. And Campbell has Quick. Yeah, I mean, I think some people are going to think you're a little mad to have Brian Elliott in a tier above like UC Saros, but I guess it depends what you're going for, right? You think that Elliott has a better chance to steal the job from Carter Hart than Saros does from Rene, even though it's kind of funny because I think we've used to have Saros in higher tiers. We used to think that he did have a decent chance. And you, I think you even said when we were talking about Rene that you could see those games played getting a little different. So I would actually move Saros up if it was up to me. But either way, we could talk about these guys. Pretty much you've said everything, right? We've already talked about Saros as being just a solid goalie. He played 31 games last year, 17 wins, 915 save percentage. He was great in the games he played, but Rene is the starter. Demko, who knows? He's a rookie. He does have a high pedigree, though. A lot of people think he's going to be the goalie of the future in Vancouver. McElhaney's kind of different because he's older. He's going to his age 36 season, but he showed us last year that he could be really good for stretches. I think Carolina really benefited from having McElhaney so that they didn't have to wear out Petter Morazic, which is another reason why I kind of like James Reimer, right? Because maybe they'll do something similar. And if Reimer could be as good as McElhaney, maybe he'll have a similar season. But yeah, obviously, Tampa has got Vasilevsky ahead, but maybe they'll decide to rest Vasilevsky a little more now that they have McElhaney, and he'll be like one of the best guys to stream in because he's going to be playing for Tampa. So anytime Tampa's playing and it's announced that McElhaney's going to be the starter, yum, yum, yum. You definitely want to pick him up and stream him in for a game or play him in Daily Fantasy. And I want to emphasize... That's exactly what Laurent Brassois was last year. Oh my gosh, the best spot start goalie in the NHL, a 925 save percentage. He only played 21 times, but he picked up 13 wins in those games. And yeah, just a fantastic save percentage. I am certain that teams who spot started him had him win their weeks. Like it happened frequently. Uh, so he's a great spot start. He's probably not worth a roster spot. Although if Hellebuck continues to not impress, you wonder if he keeps playing this way, if he can uh, just nudge in there a little more, maybe he can get up to 30. Maybe, though also there is my theory that Winnipeg might not be as good next season and that will also affect Brossois. Remember, Truba's gone, Meyer's gone, and Neil Pionk is the replacement. So, yeah, and then Jack Campbell. Yeah, Jack Campbell also, just like Brossois, was really great last year. He was actually better. He had a 928 save percentage compared to Brossois' 925. Of course, Brossois got more wins because Winnipeg is a better team than LA. But yeah, I think that Jonathan Quick has shown that he can be shaky, and Jack Campbell has shown that he deserves more games. So who knows? Like, LA is not a playoff team, so I don't know if they really care so much about playing the better goalie rather than you know, going with the guy who is on the posters that were sold at Target. But uh, Jack Campbell could be good, and I wouldn't... And also, Jonathan Quick is a little injury-prone, right? So it is possible that Campbell could get in and be a really solid guy to own. Of course, he's on LA, so you'd think his upside is capped. But hey, 928 save percentage in 31 games on LA. Not too shabby. I just love that you mentioned Zellers earlier in the episode. Like, that applies to probably Canadians 30 years old and older, maybe like 20 five or 22 and older, but like there's a whole generation that barely even knows Zeller existed. Yeah. What about Sears? Or no, that's, that's all over the, that's world, more right? recent. Yeah. Okay, and no. it was in the U S too. Fair. Okay. Let's go to another tier of goalies here. We just did tier nine. How many more tiers do we have here? A lot. There's uh, 10, 11, 12, 13. Lucky oh number 13. Well, I still like some of these goalies in tier nine. So are we going to eventually get to a tier of goalies who I think are bad? Uh, I mean, only one way to find out. I think we can probably just rattle through these guys. A lot of it's going to be self-explanatory at this point. In Tier 10, uh, I've got guys 
who have uh, pretty outside chances at ever really challenging for starts or putting up good save percentage numbers, one or the other. Uh, and they are Mike Smith, Jake Allen, Alexander Gryorgiev, and Pavel Francouz. So Mike Smith in Edmonton, I mean, we just have to wonder if he's over. He might get a good amount of starts. He could play half the games. He could play more than that, but he had an 898 save percentage in 42 games with Calgary. He is being reunited with his old coach, Dave Tippett, and maybe they work well together, but I'm not holding my breath. Jake Allen uh, had a really rough season last year. He actually started strong while the rest of St. Louis was blowing it, but then he joined them and never recovered in blowing it. So that's why he's there. I think it's Jordan Bennington's job to lose like three times before they try and give it to Jake Allen again. And then you have Alexander Georgiev in New York playing behind Henrik Lundqvist, who might have the most uh, behind Mike Smith upside for games played of this group. Do you know what else he had the most? Well, most wouldn't be the right word. He had the highest shorthanded save percentage last year. He had a 913 save percentage on the penalty kill in 175 minutes played there. That is bonkers uh, ahead of... Vasilevsky and Carter Hart and Jack Campbell and Devin Dubnik, who still stunk, even though he had such a good shorthanded save percentage. Anyway, uh, that's why I'm not sure that Georgiev is really equipped to handle uh, such a large backup role, especially in a year where the Rangers have a chance to push for a playoff spot. I would love to see Lungvis get a lot of starts. Uh, rest might be the biggest reason Georgiev starts. And then there's Pavel Francouz in Colorado, who, hey, if Grubauer doesn't turn out to be the real deal, Francis is going to get to play for a pretty darn good team. Otherwise, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of them. I mean, yeah, the thing is that Francis actually comes with a bit of a pedigree. He was good in the AHL last year, and he was good in the KHL before that. We talked about him a bit in the Colorado chapter. I think he could be a decent goalie. But yeah, obviously, Colorado's hoping that they could just run with Grubauer. But I don't think they want to play him as many times as they were at the end of last season. So I do like Francis as someone who could get starts. Mike Smith is so interesting, right? Like on one hand, you think to yourself, well, he could end up being the starter. On the other hand, if he had an 898 save percentage in Calgary, and now he's going to Edmonton, like how much worse? will that get obviously he was better at the end of the year so i don't know maybe there could be an argument made that mike smith should be a little bit higher but it depends what you're going for okay right so now we're into tier 11 we've got to be getting in because still i kind of like these guys right like <laughs> at least pavel francis i like i want to get to a tier where i don't want any of these guys on my team is it going to be tier 11 you know i don't think so because maybe i'm looking at our list now maybe one of these guys i think i'm going to add phoenix copley into tier 10, because to me, he's very much like Pavel Francis. Maybe he doesn't have the same, you know, uh, playing history pedigree, but he is, uh, wow, Copley's already 28 years old, huh? This is Francis a is tw- Don't do this, Brian. Phoenix Copley's bad. Like, Fra- Pavel Francis might be good, and Phoenix Copley's not good, so leave it how it was. Well, I don't know. I just feel like the door is open as much no. to Copley as it is to Francis. No, it's not. Like, Brayden Holpe is an entrenched starting goalie that's been a starter okay. forever, and Grubauer's never played a full season. Okay, you're right. That's why I did it. I'm glad you reminded me. So Tier 11 features guys like Phoenix Copley, who have really poor chances of challenging for starts. There's a guy in here, Anders Nielsen, that has a decent chance to challenge for starts, except not a decent chance of looking all that great in them. Uh, so... Anders Nielsen, Michael Neuwirth, Phoenix Copley, Aaron Dell, and Malcolm Subban are our tier 11 goalies. Dell, Subban, and I guess you you think Copley too. Uh, look, not a lot of daylight there. They were at one time prospects. Uh, at this time, they're all past 25. Subban's 26, Copley's 28, Dell is 30. Neither of these guys 
has shown themselves to look equipped to take over an NHL workload, and they have big guys blocking the way, even if they could. And then Nilsson and Neuverth. Neuverth, you know, is kind of an X factor. If Anderson ever gets injured, maybe Neuverth won't, but that's unlikely. If anyone's getting injured, it's Mikhail Neuverth. So uh, I don't know, just giving him some respect here in Tier 11. I mean, he might not even make the team. He, he only has a tryout contract. They do have Michael Hutchinson. I guess you sort of have this like feeling that Mikhail Neuwirth could be a better goalie if he actually is healthy and makes the team. He's better than Michael Hutchinson, so I wouldn't be too excited about him. But someone to watch. If First, let's see him make the team, and then let's see how many starts he gets and if he could be good in them. Maybe as a backup, it's harder to get injured because you don't play as often, but I'm okay with it. Uh, that then why do we have Michael Hutchinson? You have Michael Hutchinson so much farther than Neuvert. I guess you just really think Neuvert. I guess he did have one good season in Philly a couple years ago where he was healthy for a little bit of it, and that's enough to convince you that he's worthy of. That's still a pretty crappy tier, so it's not worthy of much. Neuvert has had a few good seasons. Hutchinson has had none. So yeah. Fair. And now this next tier looks like goalies that we don't even expect to make the <laughs> NHL. Wait, did we in tier eleven? Did we get to a tier that you didn't like anyone? Uh, I don't like Nilsson. Well, Nilsson actually had that really good run, but I don't want him on my team. Neuverth, no. Copley, no doubt. Yeah, you got to a tier where I don't like anyone. Uh-huh. I do like some people in this next tier, though. They're not likely to make the NHL, but they are the types that could potentially be Binnington's next year, right? Like, if there's an injury, I think these guys, or some of them at least, would actually take over as the starter. Like, if the current starter got injured, I don't think the backups would potentially be the next one to come in. Maybe it would be these guys that would come in and end up stealing the show. Could be really good. So uh, go ahead, tell us their names, Brian. Yeah, Tier 12 features Alex Nedeljkovic in Carolina, Cal Peterson in LA, Igor Shostyorkin for the Rangers, and Calvin Pickard for Detroit, who, Elon, I wonder, are you going to make a case that he doesn't belong there? Yeah, Calvin Pickard is really bad. The other three are kind of exciting, right? Alex Nedeljkovic, a lot of people think he's going to be the future goalie in Carolina. Obviously, right now they have Mrazek and Reimer, but neither of those guys like inspire like a so much confidence. I think it's very likely that one of them could end up struggling and maybe some Something could happen. I think Nedeljkovic is the guy who has the best chance of playing in the NHL next season. And if one of those guys gets injured, I think maybe Nedeljkovic could come in and actually be the starter and be good. Uh, then you have Cal Peterson, who was really good last year. It's kind of weird. LA wasn't a good team, but I th- feel like Jonathan Quick must need to take some of the blame, right? Because he was terrible. But whenever either Jack Campbell or Cal Peterson were playing, they did great. Like Peterson had a 924 save percentage in his 11 games. So only 11 games. He looks like he could be good. And then Igor Shostyorkin on the Rangers. I'm hoping for the Rangers and for Lundqvist that Lundqvist could just be good. Everything will go smoothly. But at some point, Lundqvist is going to falter too much where they can't rely on him anymore. And I think that they might go to Igor Shostyorkin, who's been great in the KHL and now is going to be in the AHL next season. Calvin Pickard, like on a terrible team, and he's not good. So I don't know why he's even in this conversation. But I had to argue with you in the Detroit chapter to have Jonathan Bur- Where is Jonathan Bernier? You have Cal- Calvin Pickard ahead of Jonathan Bernier. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, what can i say you hate jonathan bernier more than anyone i think I, well hate is a strong word but I, I don't believe in him yeah i think calvin pickard you're you're right i've got this backwards you can you have my permission to change them right now no it's okay why don't we just finish up who do you have in the final tier this is where we just list the remaining goalies that exist that might play right but none of these yeah. guys we like Except there's one guy who, during this episode, I've seen his name pop up a lot in my, like, top five on five save percentage lists. 
And that's Ryan Miller. He had a 9-12 last year in 20 games. I know he's 39 years old and he plays for Anaheim, but I think when he backs up, he's got a decent chance at putting together a decent start. So I kind of want to put him in like, can I put him up in, where do you think? At like tier nine with Saros, Demko, McElhaney, Brossois, and Campbell? No, I don't think so. That's okay. true. I don't tier really care t- that much. Tier but. 10. Put him in tier 10. Yeah, I think fine. With Jake Allen. <laughs> that, yeah. That's fine. That that works for me. So Mike okay. Smith, Jake Allen, Georgiev, Francis, and then you're going to throw Ryan Miller in there. At some point, he's going to slow down. But yeah, he was decent last year. And like we said, we think Anaheim could be a little better. So that makes sense. So who do we have? How about I'll just read these names? Because I, you know, I don't know. They're just so bad. That let's get through them. <laughs> Michael Hutchinson, blah. Sam Montembeau. I don't know. We don't know. He's young, but obviously Florida brought in Bobrovsky for a reason not to play Sam Montembeau. Okay. Charlie Lindgren and Keith Kincaid. Montreal, what are you doing? Like you have Carey Price on this big contract. He finally had a good year last year where he didn't get injured. Maybe let's not tucker him out. But if you're a team that wants to try to make it to the playoffs, maybe you need a backup goalie so that you don't have to rely on Price night in, night out. So yeah, I hope they'll trade for someone at some point. I think they should trade for Craig Anderson person. I think it's a very nice fit. So yeah, Lindgren and Kincaid. Both not good. Like, why did they sign Keith Kincaid? He was, oh, anyway, he struggled last year. He was actually the starter, I think, in New Jersey for a while. 891 save percentage on the year. Bernier, no good. Garrett Sparks, I don't even know why we have him here. Well, I guess Vegas, it's going to be between Sparks and Malcolm Subban for who's going to be the backup. We decided that we think Subban has the better chance. Garrett Sparks, according to his quotes that he gave after leaving the Leafs, kind of indicated that he thinks he's going to get a better opportunity in Vegas. So we'll see. We'll see if he can make the team. I wouldn't count on it. Alex Stalock, terrible. Uh, and then, yeah, we have Kapo Kakinen here as a name that we threw out there. He should probably go in the list with Nedeljkovic and Shostjorkin, right? Someone who might get a chance to make the team if someone gets injured, and I think would be a lot better than someone like Garrett Sparks or Alex Stalock. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good rundown of these guys. They're just like forget about them, right? They're either not going to play enough, or when they do play, we have no idea what they'll do, or it could not go very well. Like you look at Hutchinson in Toronto and think, ah, oh, maybe good for a spot start, like Boswell. And then you look at what happened to Garrett Sparks last year in Toronto. And anytime you spot started him, you paid heavily for it. Um, so I expect the same thing in Montreal, Florida. I don't know what to expect from Montembeau, but I guess he's going to have to work his way out of tier 13. Okay, fair. Yeah, that's going to be tough. So Brian, with that, we've gone through every single goalie. We've broken them into tiers. If you are listening and your head is spinning with all of these names, like I said, you could check out keepingcarlson.com slash goalies to get a rundown of everything. Maybe we'll make a couple small changes, but this is what we have right now. Brian and I have been talking so much every day for the past six days, and now we are finished the almanac, and we're also finished this episode. So congratulations, Brian. Now I just have to edit this thing, and then I'm going to get it out, and it's going to be really... By the time you're listening to this podcast episode, and obviously this almanac, chapter that will mean that the almanac is ready to go so check out keepingcarlson.com slash almanac please like we it's good trust me it's going to be really good you get your you get our projections and you get basically an episode of keeping carlson about every single team where we broke down the fantasy value of every single player ending with brian and i each giving a projection we also had some fun things in there about each team we had a volatility marker where we marked which player we think their projection is the hardest one to nail down that could go either way also we had this fun mechanism of a medallion of power that we use when deciding who gets the final say in our goalie ranking so there's like a lot of fun to be had but also also a lot of serious discussion and analysis of all the number crunching to figure out how many points we think all these players are going to get. I hope you like it. If you did listen to the Almanac and you're listening to this as the last chapter of the Almanac, 
I want to hear from you. I want to hear from everyone who bought an almanac. Tweet at us at Keeping Carlson or email us. Give us your feedback. If we do this again next year and you think it could be better, tell us how and we'll we'll probably take your advice. Maybe. I mean, we'll try our best. Okay. So with that, Brian, why don't we cue that outro music and why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This chapter of the Keeping Carlson 2019-20 NHL Audio Almanac was presented by, well, no, it wasn't. But this episode version of the chapter was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our patrons. It was researched with help from Dabra Hockey, Corsica.Hockey, Natural Stat Trick, Hockey Reference, and Hockey Database. Nice. Great job, Brian. Looking forward to get into the preseason with you. Before we know it, we're going to actually start getting real data about what's going on in the NHL, who's playing with who, who's making it to camp, who's making their teams. We're going to be all over it in September and a lot of other fantasy previews as we prepare for the season. And that's why we're all into hockey and we're all into the NHL for the data. Until then, keep on keeping Carl signed.